Good afternoon. Keon, how you doing? Good to you. One day at a time. Yeah. Hey, uh, my name's Keon. So, ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, today I'm going to be interviewing you about your views and personal experiences. So, what does the social, economic, political, and cultural development uh, of this nation mean to you? Uh, first, I'm going to give a little bit about myself. That way you can understand my perspective and the question that you um, asked. Um, so I'm Corey McRae. I'm the state senator for uh, East Northeast Baltimore, the 45th legislative district. Um, as you stated, I got four children. I live in Overly. I live there with my wife, Demetria, and my four kids, uh, Kennedy, Reagan, CJ, and Bryson. Electrician by trade out of the International Brotherhood of Electric Workers. Entrepreneur, been purchasing homes up and down the Bel Air Road Corridor since I was 20 years of age. I got my training wheels in the House of Delegates, and I currently serve in the Maryland State Senate, as stated. And the question that you ask is, what does the economic development mean, you know, from a, a, a country standpoint, I assume? Um, but I just look at, like, forward growth. The reality is, is that uh, we have a responsibility to make sure that this generation after us um, see it in a better perspective, in a better way than what we have in front of us. And I think that the best way that we can do that is uplifting our community. Um, and that's not just by giving back in the profession that we're also in, but I think being mindful of how our dollars move and how do they strengthen our community. Okay. So going off of what you said, how does that impact your family in any way? Um, I impacts my family and it impacts the families of the city of Baltimore um, in different ways. So for my family, each and every day, I'm trying to teach my two girls and two boys um, the importance of giving back, um, that, you know, you have to work hard for the things that you want, um, that you uh, can have strategic advantages to kind of propel yourself to get in rooms um, that's necessary. I think that also trying to teach them the importance of a buck and how, how important it is from a saving standpoint and just from an investment standpoint. And then I think about our young people across the city of Baltimore. When we think about K through 12 education and what does that look like? We know that not only my children, but each and every child in the city of Baltimore, the state of Maryland has to be competitive to compete, not just from a Baltimore city level, not from a state of Maryland level, but from a global standpoint. So what place are our elected officials, our leaders in our community putting them in a situation where they can also be able to thrive? Then once we get past the K through 12, we take it to the apprenticeship. Does apprenticeship opportunities exist for all of our young people if that's the direction that they wanna go? Or if higher education, one of our uh, uh, community colleges or universities, do they have the resources that's necessary for them to be successful? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Once we get past that, what does the workforce stand? Did, did we set our young people up when they were in the third grade, fourth grade, to be able to graduate from high school or college or university apprenticeship program to be able to be successful in this workforce? I would say that no, that we're not putting them out in, in reference to like other countries, uh, China and things of that nature and placing the importance of it. But that's why we strive. That's why we have goals. That's why we're optimistic, because we have to make sure that our young people, our black kids in our communities are as successful as possible. And each and every day that I wake up, I'm striving for that. Definitely. So you said um, like programs and things. So would my fault, you said apprenticeship 
apprenticeship. I can't speak for nothing. I apologize. So what do you mean by that? Like uh, apprentice, like for what you do now as senator or other jobs? So, so the reality is, you know, I, I, I graduated from a school, Fayetteville uh, uh, Hoffer, right there on Hoffer Road. And when I graduated, I was in a situation that a lot of our young men and young women are. I didn't know what I was going to do after I graduated high school. Um, I knew I wanted to make money. I knew I wanted to be successful, but I didn't know what that success looked like. That's setting our young people up for failure. Luckily, I had a mom that didn't give up on her son. She actually reached out to the Department of Labor. She said, send me every apprenticeship program that you have. Keon, when I went and found the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, and keep in mind, this is probably almost 20 years ago, they're starting you off at uh, uh, $12 an hour when I was going through it. I think it's like $16, $17 at this moment. And then they were telling me that they would give me three to four dollar raises every year as long as I did what I was supposed to do, which was going to school successfully and not um, failing any tests and also performing on the uh, workplace. Uh, I, I didn't have kids at that time, but, you know, starting off after 90 days, being able to have health care, you know, I get 20, 30 dollar bills just for my my children and that stuff add up and I got good health care. So imagine people that don't have health care at all in the situation that they land themselves in. Um, because, because of uh, their profession. You, you also think about the time, I'm nowhere near close to retirement, but hopefully when that time comes, that is still in place that I can retire with dignity because I see folks that reach that age of 59, 62, and they're talking about having a million dollars in annuity. They still have a pension and things of that nature. So, so when you talk about apprenticeship programs, and I didn't even leave out the best part, Keon, a lot of our young people go to college or university and, and Challenge is, is that they may not have the scholarships and they're going into debt. I didn't have to pay for my schooling. I actually got paid to go to school. So I went to school one day every two weeks, but I received a stipend from that. That apprenticeship that I went through was for the electrical profession. But this exists for roofers, exists for carpenters, painters, uh, elevator constructors. I could go on and on and on uh, uh, from that standpoint. But the question is, Keon, how do we make sure that the other Keons, the other Corys know about this stuff, know where to go at, familiarize with it prior to even graduating from high school. Felicity. What does their career path look like? And how do we expand those opportunities for these young men and young women in the city of Baltimore? Because I think that it's a good path. I know it because I'm a living example. Yes, most definitely. And I agree with that because without them knowing how to do it, they have no way to like, they could be living a better life yet with these programs, but they don't know that it exists, so. And Keon, Keon, what you said is so important. So what we've been doing is we work with Carver, we work with Mervo, we work with uh, uh, Emerson at one point in time, and we had them come into like a Saturday school. I think that when our young people have the ability to familiarize themselves with spaces that they're uncomfortable with or not familiar with, that's how we're going to kind of gain access. That's how we're going to do better uh, as a people. Um, I have four high schools in my district. I got Dunbar, Reach, City Neighbors, and NAV. Uh, just pre-pandemic, we got on a bus and we did the same thing that we do with bus tours for colleges and universities. We did a bus tour of the apprenticeship. We spent all day making sure that these young people were familiar, had access to the training directors and those folks that conduct the applications. And that's what it's going to take, familiarize them when they're in the 10th, the 11th, the 12th grade, so that they don't feel uncomfortable and that they own these spaces. Definitely. 
It's always good to start when they're, as you were saying, uh, K through 12, because with K, you have to start with more so their parents than their, than them themselves, because I think personally, like, I'm not going to remember it if you tell me while I was in kindergarten. So, some of high school is always the, I think, the best. All right. Uh, okay, so off-topic question, but in school, they was talking, like, we just had a talk about um, success, and it's like, what is that to you? Mm -hmm. um, and one of my teachers, um, he said that his, like, his views on success is, like, mine is being able to provide for my family, but for him, it's coming out of your comfort zone. Like if you were an introvert, becoming more so an extrovert and being comfortable doing that. So what is that for you? What is your view on that? You know what, Keon? I've, I've been through a lot of different situations, uh, probably more uh, uh, when I was your age. And I feel like I'm very blessed. I'm blessed to have a wife. I'm blessed to have four children. I'm blessed to have investment properties. I'm, I'm blessed to be able to serve in the legislature. The reality is, is in my definition of success is at, at one point in time, I thought that having money was was success. That's not true. My definition of success is getting as many people across that finish line with you um, is 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 success to me. And I think that that's what I wake up, like I said, each and every day, try my best to achieve that goal. The, the more people you can get across the finish line, the more people that that kind of compounds to and the more that I see the trajectory of our neighborhoods changing. Gotcha. I like how there's so many different viewpoints on answers. It just gives me a different point of view. All right. So um, moving to the next question. In America history, what has changed the most for you over the last 30 years? Uh, you know, what has changed is, is the reality is, is that the more that you're exposed to different things, um, uh, I think that it brings about greater opportunity. You can see a little bit more clear, see a little bit different. I play chess, uh, Keon, and I love to be able to see the different moves or kind of think a little bit ahead of those that I may be on a strategy from that standpoint. Yep, exactly, strategy. But I think that some of the biggest pivotal points in our country, um, probably in, uh, uh, you know, with civil rights, obviously, um, uh, around that same time where you had Martin Luther King, you had A. Philip Randolph, you had Malcolm, you had a number of these folks that were fighting just to improve our community and the conditions um, uh, from our community. And I, sh I should say like people like Dorothy Heights to make sure that we have some uh, women in there, Mary McLeod Bethune um, to make sure that we have some women in there. Um, the, 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 the other piece that I would think about is uh, um, just in reference to, and this is very interesting, I got this portrait in, in the back, but it symbolizes the first African-Americans that were elected to some form of office, and this happened after Reconstruction. I think this was a very pivotal, pivotal, pivotal moment just in our time as a country. Um, unfortunately, if you know the history of it, like the early 1900s, you then saw all of those African-Americans that were elected at that time removed from office in some capacity. So we were, uh, we had a United States Senator, we had a number of Congress, we had a number of state legislator holders, but this was all wiped out um, strategically uh, uh, from that standpoint because of the carriage of some that didn't have and because elections also do matter and, and some of the things that happened after the election of people like uh, 
uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln, and then after Ulysses Grant and things of that nature. So um, that lack of courage that that took place. So I think that like civil rights is obviously a big one. Reconstruction um, uh, uh, is a big one. I would also say in in this time that we stand in. In the legislature, this was probably the best year that I had in the Maryland legislature, but this was also the legislative year of a number of folks. We cannot say that we've ever had a first Black speaker outside of uh, Speaker um, Adrian Jones. I think that when we look at police uh, challenges and public safety across this country, Maryland, we can say that we had put on a, the, a law on the books that uh, has us raised in a number of conversations and a leader in the state. Uh, from that standpoint, when we think about what the work that we did around the Kerwin Commission and making sure that those young people that are uh, in concentrated areas of poverty, um, ESAW students, uh, career readiness, uh, that this is Maryland was leading on this issue. When we think about school construction and investing $2 billion, injecting $2 billion into our economy uh, around school construction across the state of Maryland and 400 plus million coming to the city of Baltimore to be able to work on our high schools. I, I think that this is a very, very pivotal time um, in the moment. And I think that we should take advantage of each and every day. And one of my mantras is, Keon, to make every day count. Make every day count, most definitely. So now that you brought that up, uh, I believe that most of the most of our money goes to like warfare and stuff like that to make sure that our, our army is up. And is school getting enough, like school districts and things of that nature, getting enough money to progress? I think they. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to speak from a state standpoint because I'm a state legislator. And Keon, we have a $50 billion plus dollar budget um, for the state of Maryland. I'm, I have a unique opportunity to be one of 13 members to be able to serve on the Budget and Tax Committee, which is actually chopping up that $50 plus billion dollar budget. I also have the ability to serve as the subcommittee chair. We have four subcommittees on uh, budget and tax, but uh, I got the unique opportunity uh, to serve as one of the subcommittee chairs for public safety, transportation, and environment. Um, this is a very large role. It's a very important role, but I think that in, in this time, we are making significant strides. Uh, this Kerwin Commission that I was talking to you about is like a 10-year plan. I think we have it paid for up to about year four, year five. Uh, what this, how this is being paid for, it's being paid for through the cigarette tax. We just did an extra tax on cigarettes um, and we don't want our young folks smoking. So this will reduce that piece of it. Sports betting, um, the state of Maryland will be engaging in sports betting over a period of time in the next few months. Um, the, also, we did it through digital downloads. So folks may see that when they download the ebook and things of that nature, they, you didn't used to pay a tax on that. That's actually paid um, now and then digital advertising. So when we see like Netflix and things of that nature, you see a tax that's coming from that. But that's being paid for and uh, in, in, in so that we can be able to have the implementation of what we call Carolyn, making sure that the mental health of our young people is there, making sure that we have a community schools uh, uh, um, uh, concept for each and every school, not just some schools, making sure that we can address uh, learning and, and extra dollars to areas of concentration of poverty and things of that nature. So I'm very proud of that work that we're doing on the legislature. But to answer your question, is there more that we can do? There's always more that we can do. If there's ever a young person that's not being able to 
succeed or if there's a building that they're learning in that's not adequate, yes, we have more to do as a state legislature, um, as leaders in the city of Baltimore and the state of Maryland, but we also are making significant strides in investment um, under this tenure right now. Okay. So from when you were in high school to the high schools now, was the is there a significant gap in like the edu like in education, the food and like transportation to like trips and whatnot? I think that we've, we've always dealt with um, those challenges, Keon, to be honest with you. I think that at a young age, you're not paying attention. I wasn't, I should speak for myself. I wasn't paying attention to this at 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I just wasn't that focused. I know that there are a number of young people such as yourself um, that are that diligent, paying attention to the politics, paying attention to the optics of what is going on and conscious of what's going on in the city, the state and the country. Uh, uh, from that standpoint, I would, I would think that, um, you know, do we have change? The building that I was learning in on Harford Road in 25th, we called it Fairmont Harford, uh, the two. Uh, Reach Partnership is currently in that facility, and it's a gorgeous building at this moment. So, like, that's a significant stride and difference than what it was 21 years ago when I was at that um, space. Um, I think that, you know, my teachers still cared. So, so the teachers that we had at that moment uh, really, really cared about our young people. But I just say that my experience myself was that I just wasn't focused um, enough in, in doing what I was supposed to do during that time, not only to pay attention, but also appreciate, have a deep appreciation for the education that I was receiving and thinking about what I was going to be doing next. Oh, all right. So 21 years ago, that would make you 19, correct? 21 years ago, that would have put me at about 17, 18. I, I was supposed to come out in 2000 and I came out in 2001. So I came out when I was about 18 years of age. Oh, all right. Uh, on that, moving on to the next, because like it answers, it puts, it makes me think more. All right. Um, let's see. What has changed the least, I guess? What's changed? The largest problems that the city of Baltimore have is just the equity um, in reference to the distributional appropriation of dollars and what I mean is tax dollars. So like what's, what's changed less, like we've become even greater concentration areas of poverty. What do I mean by that? I think about what does Darley Park look like? What does Berea look like? What does New Broadway East look like? They have not received the adequate amount of resources. They all pay taxes, Keon. They pay city, state, uh, federal taxes, but those tax dollars are not coming back into their neighborhoods in the manner that they should see. A lot of times because I serve on the budget committee and it's a 54, $54 billion budget, I try my best to be very intentional and what does intentionality look like? It looks like uh, at Harford Road in Normal, you see the in Darley Park, it's a gateway park uh, right there. That's about a, a couple hundred thousand dollar investment. While it's way more that we can do, I think that some dollars should be spent in every neighborhood. The four by four neighborhood right off of Bel Air Road, we've dumped about close to a million and a half dollars. You have 700 homes and you have about 40, 50% vacancy, and that should not be like that. So we partnered with NEHA, Northeast Housing Initiative. We partnered with St. Ambrose Housing. We've partnered with, uh, um, oh my God, I, I can't remember the uh, Habitat for Humanity is who we've done to, to strictly focus on making sure that we can increase home ownership in those four streets. 
Ravenwood, Lindale, Elmora, and Emily. And we have to be intentional about how we utilize those dollars. We have phenomenal institutions in our neighborhoods, but how do we take care of our institutions, Keon, is the question that I ask all of our leaders and I ask myself each and every day. One of those institutions that I'm thinking about is the Great Blacks and Wax Museum. And I should correct that, the National Great Blacks and, Black, Great Blacks and Wax Museum. Have you patronized it? But also I just wanna make, my job is to make sure that the state is putting up their roles. So since I've been in the Senate, we put in about a million and a half dollars um, specifically to the Great Blacks and Wax Museum and the work that Dr. Martin is doing over there. How do we treat our community college, Baltimore City Community College? We got a phenomenal leader in uh, Dr. Deborah McCurdy, but are we as a state, are we as a city uh, putting forward the resources that's necessary for our young people to be successful in that institution to be successful when we're not here is the question that we have. So to, 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 to clearly articulate an answer and, and go back to the question, what have, have we seen not happen at the capacity least um, uh, uh, across the, the, the conditions at this moment um, is the equitable appropriation of dollars of the taxpayers of neighborhoods that face challenges. Okay. All right, I get that. All right, I like that. All right, so uh, the next one would be See what matters most for you regarding the social, economic, political, and cultural development of this nation for future generations and your family. So, uh, Keon, I'm an avid reader, and I love reading about uh, leadership. I love reading about history, and I love reading about Black wealth. But Black wealth in like the 30s, the 40s, when I'm talking about Herman Russell, A.G. Gaston, uh, Reginald F. Lewis, these folks really had struggled to make a buck. Like it's easy to make a buck right now, but it was hard because imagine if you owned a hotel, Keon, and they can come and burn your hotel tomorrow and there's no consequences to pay for those types of things. That's the type of, lead that's the type of uh, leadership that I always like to read about. I think the history is also important because you do not know where you're going if you do not know where you came as a people from that standpoint. So when I think about how I serve in this seat as the Senate, I always try my best to pay homage and make sure that folks know that there was a foundation laid before myself. So the first black state senator that held this position um, was uh, uh, Robert Dalton, Senator Robert Dalton. After him uh, was Senator Robert Douglas. After him was Senator Nate Irby. After him was Senator McFadden. It's only been five black men that have had, held this position um, at this time. And it's a very, very honorable position that I think that I have a responsibility to make sure that I keep that level of stature. But when you talk about the social economics, the social uh, culture of our districts, we do not know where we're going without our culture. Uh, we, we, or our history. We, if we do not teach our young people about generational wealth and how do you accumulate wealth and how do you hold on to wealth and the importance of dollars, not to say that money is everything, but the reality is, is that we need to own stuff in order for our communities to be able to thrive. When you look at some of our most successful years, when we're talking about the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s in our neighborhood, because we couldn't move to certain neighborhoods, you gotta remember Keon, the doctors lived in Oliver, the, the lawyers lived in Berea, the dentists lived in South Clifton Park, and that was why our neighborhoods thrive. 
What, what we've done now at this point is, is that these folks do not live and they live on the outskirts of some of our challenge neighborhoods instead of in the immediate neighborhood. And then you see the neighbor, the conditions of the neighborhood um, in, in, in the way that we have. So some of the biggest gains that we can make from a social economics, from a culture standpoint, once again, knowing your history, um, understanding how wealth uh, 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 transpires and how money moves, and then making sure that you also uh, lean in and give back. That's why I think that I have a social responsibility because I cannot say how many times how I'm blessed, but the reason why I'm doing this interview, the reason why I talk to as many young people, spend once a week in our schools and make sure that it's important for them to see people that look like them so that they know that they can achieve anything that they put their mind to uh, is, is, is some of the components that I think that we lift our neighborhood and, the, and how we should be moving as a country and as a people. Most definitely, because if I didn't see people um, that's made it to like your degree or uh, CE, like the CEO of, I'm pretty sure BWI is mm-hmm. Mr. Ricky, yep. um, is also African American. And that's like, without saying that, it could get to your mind and make you like think, like, well, if it is none, then you really can't. It'll yeah. just get to you sometimes. But yeah, seeing it always helps. I, I can't see it enough how important that exposure is. You got to keep in mind, like I'm born and raised in a city. I didn't know what the, you know, what it looked like outside of the four by four blocks that I had known all my life. So I didn't get on a plane until I was 25. I didn't uh, go out of the country until about three years ago. Like, but when you see things and be able to feel things and know like that, that's not how it's supposed to be. Or, you know, I, I went to Switzerland um uh, uh several years ago but like be able to see people drinking water on the street like having access to what not having to pay for it, it's right there for you being able to see the college and universities for everybody in their country is free and then they even let folks that's not from their country uh get their master's degree free um at that space everybody going through an apprenticeship program no matter whether you're going through college or university but apprenticeships is very huge over there their government works different than our government so being able to see different things their police stations their police stations look like art museums versus a public safety space from that standpoint everybody's welcome into the police station versus just if you have a a, a, a crime or things of that nature like it, it, it's almost like it's a museum versus being a police station, but people need to be able to see different things to be able to be exposed to different things to be able to understand what they could possibly achieve. All righty. Uh, let's see. I like that. So I just, I keep saying that, but speaking to somebody and it, it just gives me, as I've already said multiple times, but it gives me a different way of thinking and then like now I think next time I go to school, I'm going to pay attention to way more stuff and it just makes me see things in a different point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Um, what impacts has the Great Migration had on the civil rights movement? Uh, what impacts the Great Migration have on the civil rights movement? When I think about, um, so uh, some, I, I, I would implore you to read this one book. You know, I really, really like it. It's called, um, it's about the first five black millionaires. Um, Shamari Wills wrote it. And uh, I can't remember the title of the book, but one of my favorite. But he had like O.W. Gurley, like in, in what he was doing um, from a black Wall Street standpoint, like from Memphis and like how they created these cultures 
uh, of strong African-American communities that thrive, even with the challenges that were out there. And like, this is important because like from a civil rights standpoint, like these folks had grew up with struggle. These folks had knew what struggle looked like and that only made them better as a people and knew and like, hey, this stuff ain't gonna come easy. You have to fight for each and everything. Whether it's just, you know, the boycotting of the bus movement, whether it's uh, uh, making sure that you um, uh, can work where you shop at from that standpoint, you know, like those are basic fundamentals, but these are things that they did not have and that they had to struggle for. So it was a deep appreciation, especially for that generation. I think that sometimes, Keon, when we don't have struggle, unfortunately, we move in the wrong direction. And then we also have to be mindful of the deceptive uh, 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 strategies that folks have to kind of take away our uh, grit, our grind, our, our uh, ability to just strive and thrive in different spaces too. So I think that some of it's self-inflicted and then some of it's uh, just, um, like I said, a little bit of deception from other communities, other cultures to try to, uh, um, you know, uh, move into our different spaces. All right. So do you have any, like, your grandmother, mother, or great-grandmother, have any of them been in slavery? Like, just that you could, like, ask? So, like... <laughs> I wouldn't say my uh, immediate folks that are alive at this moment. Well, one of the things that I would encourage, and I just recently did this. I did this about a month and a half ago for the first time. I'll be 39 next month. So I did because I understand the importance of history, I actually got uh, a genealogy report to be able to understand my uh, where I'm from. And we were able to nail it down to about the 1700s. So like we were able to do that through my mother's mother's side. So while there are your paternal and maternal, I got my uh, mother's mother's side and be able to understand that they had, came right here from Prince George's. Um, they uh, the uh, Prince George's and Queen Anne's. Um, and they came over into Baltimore City and that I have a number of generations and being able to see that, you know, the, the World War II uh, records from my uncle or being able to see the birth certificates and census records of my great, great, great grandmother and things of that nature. So I do understand that my family came from slavery and, and uh, folks and families that they did come from and, and being able to, it, it just felt real good, Keon, to be able to understand all the way back to the 1700s, because you got to think like Jewish, the Greeks, the Italians, other cultures, do you know their history and try to preserve their history? history. We're one of the cultures where we cannot always seek back to that information and have it easily accessible or people to tell that story. So I'm very proud of that piece of it. And I know that I have uh, something that I can lean back in and give my kids. I'll tell you one funny story just to kind of build on why history is so important. I'm having a, a portrait commission uh, where it has my two daughters faces, but it also has my mother my grandmother and my great grandmother, so that hopefully they can pass. be like, uh, and yep. exactly. Yeah, so, they, so they can kind of pass that on and be able to tell their kids, and, and and we hold on to that history. Like it's just so important at this moment. And it's something that you can't pay for. Yeah, I like that. That just that's that's a really nice portrait, I think, because I can visualize it, and I feel that it'd be perfect. No, it's dope. Like, like I, I, I was thinking about, but like, how do you hold on? Like every year, I get family uh, pictures done, 
and we got a couple portraits, but I was like, no, we need to figure out how do they know who their grandmother is? How do they know who their great, great grandmother is? And have that visual where I may lose that picture, but that portrait will be something that forever yeah. hold on to. Most definitely. I, I like that. Because it's just the pictures. I think it what was the um so famous like word, uh not word, famous quote is pictures. pictures yeah. I like that because yeah. it'll tell you more about your history as you go on because as you pass your grandkids and your family, they'll be like, oh, that's, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't want to keep you long because I think we're over time. But um, last question, what are you most proud of in all the accomplishments? You know what, the most important thing that I do, uh, Keon, is I think about my family, man. I got a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 6-year-old. My oldest, she's over at Poly in the Ingenuity program. She's like four weeks in high school, so I call her every day to kind of see what happened at school and, like, what was the journey like and what, what did you do? You know, my, my sons are 6 and 7. They're playing flag football. The most important thing that I got right now is my family. How do I contribute my time to my family? How do I think about how do I raise my family? And how do I exhibit and lead by example with principles that I believe that they should they should kind of know? So, like, that is the greatest gift that I was given. Um, and and I would forever like just honor that and treasure that uh, uh, piece of it because I didn't grow up with a male figure in the house. I grew up around a whole bunch of women, but I think that it's Same. very, very important that they see, especially my son, see a strong male figure in their life each and every day that they wake up um, and, and, and just know that they're blessed too uh, uh, from that standpoint. So that's the greatest thing I got going on um uh at this moment i think just in general that's definitely because i feel the exact same way like um i grew up at with my grandmother my mother said my mother and father sadly passed but um i grew up with my grandmother like i do have brothers and um they were more so like my father figures what i had to base mm -hmm. myself off of um but you feel me i also have sisters and my aunt, I'm very proud of my aunt, my grandmother, all of my family so far. If you don't mind me asking, what, what school do you go to? I go to Chesapeake. Okay, okay, that's what's up. Yeah. You know, I just want to lean in, Keon, as we come to a close. If there's ever anything that I could do, I hope that you'll never hesitate to reach out. Um, I think that it's important to spend as much time with uh, – yeah, that's why I'm still in the office right now. I was like, man – I, I was going to leave, but I was like, look, I'm going to be able to stay here, get some work done and, and and be able to share this moment with you. So I hope that you'll never hesitate to reach out to me if there's ever anything I can do for you. Yes, sir. Thank you for your time. Uh, you gave in, you've given me a lot of hopes and now I'm going to go to bed thinking of everything. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem at all, man. Like just. If I had any advice that I could give uh, uh, a young person, I usually say this in my like graduation speeches. Um, I definitely say disciplines. I think that, you know, my focus in my discipline was like, I was sharp. I knew how to make a buck. So like, if you want to know how to make a buck, I was disciplined at that piece of it. But like the distractions and things of that nature, saving all these natural disciplines that, that you can kind of learn. And that's just important to me. Work hard. I know it seems very cliche, um, but, but like, folks just be sleep like they be sleep at the wheel and yeah. I outwork them like nobody can work harder than me Keon like 
every day. I know they can't outwork me from that standpoint. I also say cultivate the relationships. Um, so like I'm in a space Keon, where my work ethic can only get me so far. After a while, you'll find that if you're really thriving, that the only way you get through that other door is if somebody opened it. It's like an access button. So you have to have the relationships to be able to open up the next opportunities that's in front of you. So cultivate each and every relationship that you have right now, whether it's your teacher, whether it's a mentor, whatever you're doing, just please, please, please like develop and cultivate those relationships. And the last thing I would say is, 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 is how I kind of started when you talked about the def definition of success. Once, once you start winning, man, it's, it's incumbent upon you to give back. Like that's like, Folks don't understand, like, a closed hand, like, closed mouth, don't get fed. But, like, every time the energy that you put out, you get that two times back. So if you're putting out good energy, you find yourself giving back. You find yourself uh, spending time in places, like, that just come back two folds to you. And, like, that's where my karma, that's why I feel like I'm really, really, I just put out good energy all the time. So I like that because you also talk to the youth and don't exclude them from the picture. Mm, thank yeah. you.